every time I've recorded an album, I have had that moment where I'm like, I wonder how I would be delivering this differently with that feminine energy, you know, with that queer energy, with just a different energy in the room because it does affect everything. That was Hannah Hooper of Group Love. And this is Shiro's, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, Shiro's Radio. Shiro's is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss challenges and triumphs how far we've come and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music better for everyone. To hear singer, songwriter, keyboardist, visual artist, and co-founder of the band Group Love, Hannah Hooper, tell it, there was what she calls a Disney quality to their beginnings. And actually, it does come across like that. An indie rock fairy tale with cute little birds and a love story of two American kids, a visual artist and a musician, go to Greece on an artist retreat, literally start making beautiful music together, find more friends to join in, sprinkle the fairy dust, and Group Love was born. A self titled EP is recorded and independently released in 2010, is quickly discovered, and a record deal and a full-length album, Never Trust a Happy Song, follows the next year and goes gold. In just a moment, Hannah will share this story with you, but suffice it to say, it was meant to be because Hannah, the visual artist in our fairy tale, and Christian Zucconi, the musician, are now happily married, are parents, and 14 years in, Group Love is a super successful band who have just released their sixth album, I Want it all right now. And while it does sound like a fairy tale, it's the hard work of being a mutually supportive team, band family, and partners that's at the center of it all. I'm thrilled to welcome Hannah Hooper of Group Love as this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Hannah Hooper, welcome to Shiro's. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. My first question to you is how often do you get to do group love interviews by yourself? You know, not very often, actually. I do them most often with my husband. It's because we're kind of like the, I mean, I don't like to say leaders because we are a group, but we start a lot of the stuff, the songs and the artwork and stuff. So yeah, we do a lot of interviews together. I imagine that that flows pretty easily. The two of you have been in partnership, both musically and romantically, for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's super special. And I know how rare our relationship is. And I know when I talk about it, some people are like, that's so annoying. But it is one area of my life I feel like I don't have to work on, which is really amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Tell us your secret, please. <laughs> I know. I, I honestly think the secret is that we grow together. I am the friend that a lot of people open up to about their relationships, which I love being. But I find like normally a problem that starts happening is one person is going through a huge growth and the other person in, in the relationship isn't. And that's just totally normal. But it's about how to bring someone along with you if that's what you want. And you're blessed also to be doing your jobs together, which I think in the world of being a musician could definitely cause some friction or some gaps in understanding. You know, obviously I've talked to tons of people who have partners, but most of the time somebody's leaving somebody at home. Totally. You know? On the parenting level, it's amazing because neither of us could be more tired than the other. You know, I'm like, no, we played the same show last night. Like you're getting up today or I'm getting up, you know, or we're both getting yeah. up. 
But on the like experience level, it's wonderful too, because you understand what a bad show feels like and you understand what like a transcendental cathartic show it feels like and you get to share that and there's no way to explain that it's kind of out of body so it's amazing to share that with him well congratulations on the new album i should say that before we keep talking i want it all right now is the name of the sixth album maybe we should pause here and play a song where would you like to start today Ooh, i think we should start at the very beginning with all tell us why it's at the very beginning and tell us about the song well, it's the first song on the album, and this song, we sort of knew when Christian was doing his vocal take, this is the emotional state we started making this album in, which is just a sense of overwhelming fury, I think, where we wanted it all. We wanted to be the best parents, the best lovers, the best performers, and then also wanted all the material things and just this overwhelming sense of outside of us. We needed to get so many things and it's impossible. And so the album starts there and then we start to go inward and realize what we need. Track one of I Want It All Right Now, Hannah Hooper of Group Love here with us on Shiro's. I'm Carmel Holt. Now, I know that you are also a visual artist and the artwork for the album came from this song. Yeah, it did. You want to expand on that and tell us about where this concept came from? Yeah, I really wanted to focus on the one song because I think it's sort of the gateway to the album. But when he was recording that, I was remembering just being a kid and being given all these Barbies. And I was an awkward, buck-toothed, redheaded little girl. I wasn't comfortable with myself at all. And I found like retreating to the world of play was really helpful for me. But Barbies gave me this, I don't know, I felt even more detached from loving myself. And I remember playing with Barbies and being like, if I could only look like this, then maybe I would have it all. Like maybe I would love everything about myself. And I always love going back to like how you were as a child, because I think it did sort of shape a lot about each one of us. So the painting is sort of taken from the idea of what Barbie might look like, which is funny because there's like a Barbie movie coming out, which I didn't know about. <laughs> but the idea that like, so you visually have everything you want, but you're miserable, which I think is the topic a lot of people are talking about now, just like the idea of what you see on the internet isn't reality and things like that. So the painting is of a woman who's blonde and I guess beautiful, you know, by that standard. And when you really look at her, she's miserable. So she has everything you think you want. I was just like, what would it look like to be this beautiful Barbie and then really be looked at and you're just not fulfilled? And then I started thinking like, this would be a beautiful thing to be hanging in a gallery and you're surrounded by that paparazzi, which I think I'm familiar with just looking at pop stars in their lowest moments surrounded by cameras. And that also started this music video. So these people that are on the album cover that you pull back and the song starts and you're in the music video. It's such a great segue to touch back on what you were talking about, about your own personal experience when you were a little girl, which is such a common experience for so many of us. And the images and the messaging that we were getting when we were coming up about perfection and our body image and what it means to be a girl even yeah. and what that definition of femininity is. And then when you 
take on a job like being a musician, you don't think about the gaze, you know, that you're going to be under. And before I even read the press sheet that was sent to me about the meaning of the cover, I looked at that and thought about you as the sole femme member of Group Love and how you're having such a unique experience. Like, it doesn't mean that you're not all working together in a beautiful way, as you just described your amazing partnership with your husband. But still, there's no way that they could step into your femme form and understand what doing your job is like. Oh, I mean, it has been such a crazy journey for me because I wasn't even prepared to be in a band originally. The whole thing was, since I was a very little kid, was I'm going to be this solitary visual artist. And as life does, I met Christian and I'm going to shorten that long story, but I brought him to an art residency with me in Greece right after we met. Because I just had this crazy out of body thing where I just knew we were somehow supposed to be together, at least at this point in my life. And I was painting at this residency. And so he was writing songs and I started just like humming along from another room. And we just started connecting musically. And in a way I'd never thought I was going to. And he's like, whoa, you sing? And we started singing together very privately. And as we started meeting other guys in Greece and the band formed there, which is like a Disney story in and of itself, you know, we put together this thing that became an EP and then we got discovered. And I had never really been on stage before. So our band blew up very quickly and I was not ready to be looked at. Like I have never even looked at myself like that. So to see photos, to see people staring at me, I was, you know, I couldn't even really understand what I was feeling, but I would get off stage and cry and other people would get off stage and celebrate. And this happened for years. Like I thought it was like, discomfort with, I mean, I'm sure there were many levels, just stepping into my power has taken a long, like just understanding like, you know, being unique and being myself, whatever that looks like is the thing that people are looking for. They're not looking for someone else up there. But for me to understand that took a while. It really did. So when you were having that experience of getting off stage and Thank you for sharing that, by the way. Getting off stage and crying and the rest of your band celebrating. How did you communicate what you were going through with your bandmates, with your friends you backstage? Know, it was it honestly it was pretty personal because I think I didn't until later on understand what I was dealing with. I put a lot of it on just like, oh, I just didn't feel like my vocals. I was always talking about like my vocals. And really what I realized was it was like myself. It was like I wasn't ready for myself to be just looked at that way. And I remember I started, I was so particular. I, mean, I still am about what I wear on stage because I like things to move and I like to feel comfortable and I like it to be original and all blah, blah, blah. But I really wanted to cover myself. And I was noticing I was putting on like MC Hammer pants over long sleeve shirts. And it's a crazy transition because I don't know really when it happened, but then I discovered the cat suit. And this was this moment of power for me on stage where I was like, this is, this is me. And now of any place in the world on stage is actually where I, I don't know if the word feminine is right, but sexy or like in my body. I feel the most in my body on stage now, which is crazy. Just like the way I move and like head banging and crawling around. I do things that I'm like, who is this? This is amazing. (laughs) But to get there, I don't know. It just took a lot of like trusting that who I am is enough. 
That's amazing. And it's great that you have the safety of your partner there and this band as well, because I think without that safety, that journey could even take longer or just feel a little bit more risky. And it sounds like you have a very safe container to do that, too. Yeah, I mean, the guys surrounding me are so beautiful. And I honestly, I don't think I really let them know to an extent because I have, you know, a certain level of I'm tough, I can do this to an element of that in me. But also, I mean, I've learned this in therapy, you're really going through it alone, right? So I just needed them to do what they were doing, I think by nature, which was just like, you're amazing. Like every show has gotten better. Like you're bringing it. That was so cool. Like just complimenting me too, so that I could reach a point where I could hear them, you know, because I literally couldn't hear them at first because I was just like in the space, which I was also doing as a painter, which I was like, this isn't there. I painted too much. I overdid it. But I was used to being critical privately. And so having that much attention on me. Yeah, it was wild. (laughs) How much of that do you think has to do with your gender? That's a good question. I think being around other artists, I'm realizing that it might be an artist thing. You know, there is a certain amount of self-criticism that goes along with growth, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. at least Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And then you understand Mm -hmm. that you can grow without deeply hating your work. (laughs) You can understand it's just part of the journey, you know, but I think we're in a new age right now for humans, (laughs) for whatever shape and form you want to be, dress, associate with love, all this. And it's so beautiful. And in the nineties, I felt like I was like, I want to be like Kate Moss or I want to be like my brother. That was like it. I was like genuinely my best friend is my older brother. We're we're a year and seven months apart. And I wore all his hand-me-downs and like I loved dressing in what at the time everyone's like, you're such a tomboy. You know what I mean? So I don't think I really started identifying myself as a woman in many ways until like my junior, senior year in high school or starting to be like, oh, I have boobs. And like, do I want to show them? Is that who I am? Like, do I show that I have boobs? Right. (laughs) What is like, what is sexy? Like, is it okay not to be desired in a certain way you know like I don't know I just like I didn't think about I was just like I like the skate community and I like big pants yes Hannah Hooper of group love is here with us on Shiro's the new group love album is called I want it all right now before we get into another song I wanted to ask you what does it look like writing the music together with Christian or is it just song by song it changes process each time who's writing the lyrics what's the decision making about who's singing lead vocals talk to us a little bit about that shared responsibility so yeah it's definitely different song by song and it's funny my mom's a journalist and she's always like how do you write a song and I'm just like there's no method to the madness (laughs) but you know whoever's singing that's who wrote it and I Love that about our band. There's no like, oh, I wrote this, so you sing this, you know? Maybe we'll help each other shape ideas, but the music sort of triggers where the song is going to go. And also, obviously, like the current events of your life or could be something that you pull up from the past just from like the sound of a chord. It's pretty random. And I write alone. I write with two of the members. Sometimes I write with the whole band and Christian's the same way. Sometimes we bring songs in, like a song would start really sad and then we jam it as a band and it's almost like you worked through the pain and come out the other side and then the song suddenly has like a light in it and everyone's like, you're happy. And we're like, actually, (laughs) this came from hell. (laughs) Well, in context of what we're talking about here, does any one of those songs come to mind? We could get Malachi over with because I honestly felt like when I got that song out of me, I felt like I let go of something that was like plugging up my chest. I don't know how other people like physically react to 
stress or pain or anxiety, but I carry it like in my throat and chest. And I felt it leave me right after I did the demo for that song. Wow. There are many things that contribute to that song. There's the pandemic. We canceled a world tour. I felt really trapped. I realized I really didn't like Los Angeles. I was in the wrong city. We'd moved there when we were really young and we had a kid there and we were still there and we were touring and we'd come back and never really process like, how are we using this city? You know, it's sort of a place we recovered from tour and then left again. And to be there, I just was like, I think I need seasons. The city's too expensive. So there was just like a lot of that. And then simultaneously, we were learning that our daughter had a lot of sensory needs. And I was just noticing that her development was different. Just the way she was behaving was different. Her interaction with other kids was different. And then we were all in a house together with no outside help and like community. Mm. And it's just so funny the way you find your greatest teachers in life because my daughter has become my greatest teacher. But I had to go through such a journey to be like, like we were talking about earlier, like, Whoever you are is beautiful. However you are is beautiful. There's no right way to be. And so she has just taught me how to kind of reframe the world. And now she has sensory needs, which sort of means like the world is loud for her and it's more difficult for her to process things than the way I do. She takes her time to go through things and it's honestly very beautiful. But I was so caught up in pain and worry and fear and all these things that I was like missing her. I realized I was like, okay, I need to figure out what to do with this. And I, Christian and I are now on the board of the biggest nonprofit organization for sensory needs in the world called Culture City. And they were just like starting this conversation, like what is inclusion? How big is the word inclusion? What does that really mean? For people with invisible disabilities, that means we need to set up spaces everywhere where they can go and sort of regulate themselves. And so we've been doing it with the NBA at every major concert. It's starting to happen in restaurants. Anyway, it's this beautiful thing that's come out on the other side, but Malachi (laughs) was written before that. And I think that's what's so beautiful about music and about life is the pain can be so overwhelming, the anxiety, whatever it is, the (laughs) self-torture, the journey. But if we face it and push through it, there is so much more on the other side of it. It's crazy. And so Malachi is me before getting to the other side. I mean, I'm literally singing about suffering. I was carrying so much weight on myself and I'm talking about fixing things and the way I want things to be. And like that kind of control for anyone, but for me in particular is just not my natural state. I need to ride the wave. And when I'm trying to like put a piece of cardboard up against a giant tsunami, it's not going to stop it. And that's what I felt like for, you know, a while. So Malachi. <laughs> Crawl up the grass. I just want to make it home tonight. But the lights and the streets and the cars suck my
That's Malachi off the new Group Love album, I Want It All, right now. Their sixth studio release. Hannah Hooper is here with us on Shiro's. I'm Carmel Holt. What a story about that song. The word that kept coming up for me was presence, like being present. It was such a big lesson in shutting the noise out and like just coming back to the basics of being present, which is a hard thing for any of us and definitely somebody who is accustomed to being in motion all the time as a touring musician. And that was really interesting to unpack with musicians over the last few years in lockdown times and when touring was really slowed. And also what a gift for touring musicians, especially touring musicians that are also parents. Yeah. In your case, a mother. It's been wild, too, to talk about being a mother and being a musician, which is also a very unique experience. Definitely. And I was curious about how that's been for you. I mean, not to give you that like very generic question, like, so what's it like to be a mom and a musician? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. but what is it like for you? And how has that changed things for you? Do you feel, yeah, what kinds of things have you come up against and pushed your way through that you feel are unique to being a mother and a musician? I mean, first of all, being an artist is all consuming. I mean, it is. And so being a mother is also all consuming. And really, there's an ego check. I mean, there's something kind of beautiful that's happened. I mean, there's many beautiful things that's happened with being a mother, but I feel like I know when to go into the studio, if this makes sense, or when I, I know when I need to write now and I don't just do it all the time. So there's something really sacred about that time by myself or that time with the band that I didn't really need to honor in a certain way or I didn't like my time now is very special to me and my time with Willa is very special to me yeah my time in general I'm just much more aware of like now that we're back we're in Atlanta now the seasons you know my daughter getting older like she's seven that's insane no one knows this but I'm also getting older (laughs) continually (laughs) dying my hair but yeah it's just kind of woken me up to that life actually is passing in this beautiful Mm -hmm. way like before I had Willa I just felt like I had so much time and I'm aware of time in a different way. And I'm so much more appreciative of it and like respectful of Mm. this thing that's out of my control. Yeah, that's beautiful. It was at Gillian Welch, Time the Revelator. What a revelator. What a revelation it is to age and what a blessing too. We're all still here. I know. It's insane. (laughs) The other thing that I make a real concerted effort to do on this show is to showcase women at all different stages of their careers. And I talk to women of all generations. And I think my oldest guest so far has been 82 or 83. That's amazing. And my youngest in the teens, late teens. Whoa. I got to listen to that, both of those back to back. Yeah. The thing that's been striking is to talk to younger women who feel like even now in 2023, because I like to think like, yeah, we are making a ton of progress. There's a sense of running out of time and that somehow the ageism is so still stubbornly there for us. And it affects how women feel about the longevity of their careers as musicians, as artists. 
it's great to be a visual artist as well because I think that that there's somehow a, there's a privacy is, there. Yeah, it's like it's different somehow. So that that kind of pressure, maybe that's part of this whole social media age, but even just with media in general and being photographed all the time, oh. uh, everybody's got you know it's exhausting. The, the phone in their pocket. Yeah, I, and I will tell you, I've start so many songs with drawings and with paintings and things and. I remember someone recently coming up to me at our label and they're like, you need to TikTok your process of like how you paint. And I tried to film myself stretching a canvas and gessoing it. And it took like not only three times as long. I didn't do it as well. It felt very dishonest. I looked like a troll because I was like, I go in just like whatever, like in a, it doesn't matter. But you, I suddenly became very aware of not what I was about to dive into, but like physically what I was looking like doing it. And like, you're hunched over, like staple gunning a thing. And it took this magic away from it for me. And I'm dated in this way. And, and I'm part of the problem. I'm, we're all part of the problem. I'm promoting myself on Instagram and our band and all these things. But there's a mystery in art that is so important. It's important to the artist. It's important to the listeners, the followers, to all of us like that. You don't need to know that I had scrambled eggs for breakfast. Like you don't need to know what I'm doing on a Sunday. What we all need to know is like, do you connect to the work? How does it make you feel? Like when I'm standing in front of a painting, I don't need to know that they look good in a bikini. I need to know that I connect to the work. When I'm listening to a song, I connect to the work. And yeah, it does. It worries me. And it's part of my life, you know, and the time element we waste a lot of time on social media. I catch myself in my free moments, instead of getting bored or getting creative, I am looking at like, I don't know, like an AI Tom Cruise singing a cover of, you know, I'm like, what am I doing? And then I'm feeling terrible about myself. And I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> it's an insane time. And I know we all collectively know this. Yes. And I wish there was like the day we all are just like, fuck this, let's turn it off. But yeah, it has to I'm, be everyone. I wonder, yeah. would that change anything in terms of ageism? I mean, it's about the work. Christian, my husband's on Strava, for example, which he doesn't have a private Instagram or like a Christian Zucconi Instagram. He did. And he was like, I hate this. And he got off. But he's on Strava. And I'm like, this is the Instagram for runners. Everyone he knows is like, I ran seven miles today. I biked. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, why do people need to know this? But I, there is something like... if. If you weren't allowed to paint or post anything that wasn't like a self-portrait that you created or like, I love the element of sharing and I love the growth. You know, when I read stories about like a kid who hadn't come out to his parents that lived in a small town in Texas and connected with other gay kids on the internet, like that's beautiful. And I understand that you're looking for community, but when you're like touching up your face and spending four hours getting the perfect selfie, to look like not yourself or on the other side, you're spending a lot of time to show that you have a back roll and a stretch mark. I still also feel that's equally as problematic in a way. I feel like this isn't who we are. I think we need to all start stepping away from these things, especially as artists. Like, let's get back to the work. Yes. And as you say that, let's get back to the work. Okay. <laughs> let's pick a song. Where do you want to go next? Trying. First of all, singing this song feels very good because I hope that we are all trying. Christian and I wrote this with the band in our bass player's studio in Little Five Points in Atlanta. And I remember like getting very emotional when I was singing, I'm still trying. And when Christian was singing it with me, I was like, are you singing it like about our marriage? I'm singing about like being an artist. Like I was just like 
questioning it. And then I realized the power of that. Like I'm still trying, I'm still trying every day. I try in every area and that chant, especially like 14 years in as a band just felt really powerful. So just like anything, depending on where your head's at, it can go there. But I love that song. I also, it's the first time I start talking about, I do talk in that song about like, tell me I'm young, tell me I'm fun. It's identifying with the fact that like I am getting older and I feel though very young, like my spirit feels very young. So there are times when I'm talking to, you know, a group love, I hate the word fan. So like a group love (laughs) family member, you know, and then I find out they're like a junior in high school and we've been having a beautiful conversation that seems ageless to me. And I suddenly become a bit insecure, you know, I should feel powerful. I've experienced, I have knowledge on these things, but I'm also learning from you. It's like this give and take, but I do have a moment where I'm like, Oh man, like, am I like your mama talking to you right now? Like, how <laughs> how do I appear to you? I don't know. It's a journey. That's trying off the new album by Group Love. I want it all right now. Their sixth full-length studio album and Hannah Hooper here with us on Shiro's. I'm Carmel Holt. We were talking earlier about the safe space that you have, the beautiful support system that you have with your band, that you're the only femme member. You're leading the band with your husband. How is it for you when you connect with women outside of Group Love that are doing the same job as you are? Is there something that you get from that that fills a certain need that you have that you don't get within your band? Oh, my God. I mean, first of all, I love women. I just am drawn to women, the women in the audience. What like Christian will notice we'll be grocery shopping and I'll just like find a way to talk to a woman in the grocery store because I'm just like, I need I mean, I am definitely surrounded by men and I love everyone in our band and our crew. And we've had some amazing women come in and out of our crew. And I would love more. We just got a female engineer. But I have to say, I miss women. I don't see enough of you guys. But I have friends who don't tour as much as us that are female singers. And they have other women in the band. And I have to say, there's definitely a little jealousy there, like the female clique. I do sometimes feel like I'm outside of the clique. I mean, I adore people. I have to say that, first of all. I'm so interested. Like I, During this interview, I'm like, I'm talking so much. Like, Tell me about you. You've told me nothing <laughs> about yourself. And I'm just babbling on. And I'm starting to feel like, can you please tell me? So much more about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This is your time, Hannah. I know, I get it. But yes, at some point I will, for sure. So yeah, so you do crave that. And man, you hit the nail when you said, may there be more. I told you about the Shiro's Magic Wand. Most days when I ask that question, what would you change if you could change anything? It's often, can we get more women on cruise? Can we get more women in the studio settings? Yeah. So hard to find femme producers, engineers, mix engineers, crew people. We just need more, more women, more queer folks. I 100% agree. And I also just with you talking about that and thinking about 
every time I've recorded an album, I have had that moment where I'm like, I wonder how I would be delivering this differently with that feminine energy, you know, with that queer energy, with just a different energy, you know what I mean, in the room, because it does affect everything. Everyone has a place that affects the music, the show, the vibe. Totally. And I do think the industry is like slowly changing. This amazing woman, Laureen, and it's embarrassing, I don't know her last name, but she is our second female monitor engineer, but she might be someone that would be interesting to have on the podcast because she is actually transforming the way women hear on stage because she realized that women hear differently than men. So when I'm constantly having these shows where I'm like, like, it didn't sound that good. And the guy doing our in-ears will be like, oh no. And everyone in the band, all the guys will be like, that was the best sounding show ever. (laughs) And I'm always wondering, I'm like, and she's like, wow, actually, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but like women hear more high end than men, men hear more low end. And it's like, duh, obviously actually it makes complete sense. But like, there is a science to this. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, so she's doing, she's designing the first in-ear ever designed for female hearing. Yeah. Like, and she's going to do our in-ears, because I was at a point where I was like, I'm just going to go to monitors and blow my voice out every night because this has been kind of insane, you know? Like, I love performing, but when you're performing, that you're performing, that you're having a good time, it's a different show. Yeah. And she's fascinating. But she also spoke to me on the phone where she's like, I have worked my ass off for 16 years to get to where I am in the industry and to be respected for what I do. You know, she's had some horror stories. Like, yeah, and I'm like, our team is not like that. We are like a family. And like, there's so much love and respect there. And yes, we are women, but we are also people. And I think that going into that, I have a whole outlook that's like, I come into a room how I want to be treated. I don't come with my history of how I've been treated. And that's a hard thing to work towards, but I like to start from where I'm at. You know what I mean? I don't like to bring in the backpack and like pour out the stones and be like, it's been a rough ride. Let me tell you why. I just come in and I'm like, I know what I deserve. I know how I like to feel. I'm going to set that tone. And if it's reciprocated, I'm going to stay. <laughs> and if it's not, I'm going to probably say why and leave. So you do speak up in the moment if it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel comfortable to speak up, I will follow it up with an email or I will leave. I will not stay feeling uncomfortable. You know, there's no need. And I want anyone who feels uncomfortable, especially in a music situation, like we are artists, we are already very sensitive. We are vibe tellers. We know a vibe. Like, get out. You're there to make work or helping someone make art. And if there's a reason you don't feel safe, comfortable, heard, like speak up if it seems appropriate or speak up 20 minutes after you leave. (laughs) Inform people because sometimes, you know, there are egos and I have to say there are artists that don't know they're treating people in a certain way. They're caught up in the moment of creation. And there can be sharp moments of like putting you down or not listening to you. And that can be misconstrued, I guess. You can misinterpret it. It's always good to just put your words to it and be heard. That is such good advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, but it's scary to grow. And it's like, who wants to be the victim? I don't. I want to be- Nobody does. I've never asked this question. I do have friends who work with Girls Rock or there's this amazing place called the IMA, the Institute for Musical Arts in Massachusetts. And in these spaces that are built for girls and non-binary kids to learn how to be musicians or engineers or whatever, I kind of wonder who's telling them that stuff. Like, I feel like we could save a lot of people some hard times, some trauma. I know. um, Because 
I agree. Like, if you're successful, you get to a point where you have a voice or you get that respect because of who you are and that you are known. But I mean, gosh, I've even talked to women who are like Bonnie Raitt. (laughs) I'm just going to throw out an example. Who's like, yeah, you know, and I walked in and the sound sound engineer was like talking down to me or overlooked me and talked to somebody else who was a dude in the band. You know, just like things like that that are just like, God, really? It's interesting because I'm in a band with very sensitive men. And it's good to see that side, too, because I think oftentimes like we all collectively don't speak up, you know? Right. And I think we also forget that sometimes people can be complete assholes because they have a shit home life or they're broke or they've just found some horrible news out, you know? And so I always try to give the benefit of the doubt. I love to think that that's the starting point. And so I think coming into situations giving people sort of a chance, you know, Mm -hmm. and being Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't like the way you're talking to me or I feel uncomfortable. I get so trippy sometimes. I'm just like the energy in this room feels really off. Like we're here as creative people. We need to put on a show or we need to record this. Like how can we reset this? Like what's going on? Mm, And just that's a great way to make it like a collective problem, you know? Yeah. When you obviously know it's like the guy in the right corner who's like making (laughs) everyone feel weird. But I I think it's just... There's ways to address it. And I know, yes, I am a singer in the band. That's a different position. It's different than when you are, I don't know, setting up monitors for a band. You know, you work at the club or whatever. But in music, we are all needed for the show to go on, for the album to be recorded. The hierarchy that people see, to me, doesn't exist because without one person, the next thing doesn't work. Like, if you're not cool with your lighting guy, you have no lights. You're literally in the dark. You know what I mean? Everyone's role (laughs) is so important to the show. And so to approach it that way is important. Anna Hooper of Group Love on Shiro's. I'm Carmel Holt. All right, let's do the Shiro's magic wand and your recurring dream. Are they related? Are they the same? Um, no, I, just, the same? I, have, I have had, it's, I think it's over with, but I had a dream that kept coming back where I got to like make one wish and it would like, just, it was so random. I was like, you get to me. I was watching Aladdin a lot with our daughter, I think. And, uh, <laughs> but I was like, I got this one wish and I kept saying, okay, because this was like a very hard change in my adult life. I kept being like, I wish cigarettes were good for everyone and we could all smoke. And everyone's like, boo! Like collectively, <laughs> everyone's like, boo! Like you're a fucking bitch! Like throwing stuff at me. And I'm just like, oh, I thought we could wish for whatever we wanted, you know? And I was just like in the stream and I'd wake up and be like, why did I say that? Like, I mean, there is a place in me that's like, I wish cigarettes were good for you. Like what? I used to smoke all the time. So I have in my mind, like great memories. And I met so many of my good friends smoking. I'm not trying to endorse cigarettes. They're terrible for you. They're terrible for singing. They're terrible for your life. They're proven to be bad, but. But smoking is fun. Smoking is fun. (laughs) Like, come on. It's so fun. And it's, (laughs) but anyway, I have this, it's horrible. It's like, it's a horrible reoccurring dream. I think it's gone. But so the wish thing, I'm just like, uh, I would give my wish to someone else. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, are you asking to skip the magic wand? No, I'm like, if, so So, give me the context again. I get a magic okay. wand and I can just. Okay. Yes. So as we close our Shiro's time together, Hannah Hooper of yes. Group Love, I'm going to give you the Shiro's magic wand. And this magic wand gives you the power to change anything in music spaces for women and genderqueer folks. Wow. The list might be long, 
You might have like a bunch of things that you would want to change, but like top of mind, I mean, what would you change? I think off the bat, I was thinking requirement, a third to a half of your team should be female or queer. I mean, for me, it would be incredible addition to just like your team. Like it could be your auxiliary guy, your sound person, your whatever, whatever it is, like however it works for you. But there are so many people trying to get into this world that are so talented and I'm here for it. Required amount of people per tour. There's a quota. Be, yeah, exactly. Well, we look to change things. We might need a quota, right? right? Sometimes you need a bar to hit until things are normalized, totally. you know, and that'll force us to be intentional about our choices. I'm as guilty as the next person of having like some defaults of yeah. like, I need an electrician and it's always a guy that I, I think of. I know. So I know. why aren't I hiring? I know that there's, there's not that many, but yeah. they're out there. I hear that. I think, honestly, part of the problem is the just like Google task rabbit. We need to slow down and take a little more time. Agreed. It's been so awesome to spend time with you, Hannah. And before we go, why don't you choose one more track to take us out with today? I'm going to take you out with Cream. This is a song about just fully surrendering to pleasure. With thanks once again to Hannah Hooper of Group Love. Thanks for being with us on yeah, Shiro's. Thank you. Take the team Make me dream Many thanks once again to Hannah Hooper for being with us. The brand new Group Love album, I Want It All Right Now, is out now on Glass Note Records. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at She Rose Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast that helps us grow and bring you more Shiro's. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening.